All right, well, let's take our Bibles here this morning and turn to Matthew and chapter number 15. Matthew and chapter number 15. Excited about trying to get back into our series here. We were in it last week in the Sunday before that, but also uh, looking forward to the message here today, Matthew chapter number 15. Matthew 15, <clears throat> and our text begins in verse number 21, and we'll do a little bit of review as we get into it. So Matthew chapter number 15, and uh, verse number 21. <clears throat> the Bible says here, then... So evidently there is a connection between what's coming and what has just been described. And so I, I want to do our due diligence to make that connection as we go forward. So it says, then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. All right, now that's a long way from where he was. All right, now we can... And reading the Bible, sometimes we can just read right over this and think, oh, yeah, that's just like right next door. But no, it's a long ways. All right, we'll cover that here in just a little bit, too. <clears throat> so he went to Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And I'm sure that that repeated. Have mercy on me, O Lord. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. I just imagine that she's continuing to cry out here. It wasn't a one-time thing. She just cry out, cried out to him so much so that, look at verse number 23. This is rather odd. But he answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away. I mean, they're just oozing with compassion. <laughs> send her away, for she crieth after us. <clears throat> but he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, there's another surprising statement. Then came she and said, I'm sorry, <clears throat> let me back up. Verse 25, let's try it again. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meat, or fitting, or right, it is not meat. To take the children's bread or food, it's not meat, it's not right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. There's one more surprising statement. Wouldn't you agree? I love this next statement, though. She said, truth, Lord, that the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I'd be glad just to get a crumb. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And Jesus departed from thence. Now let's keep reading verse 29. 
He departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, not able to speak, maimed. They were crippled, probably in their hands or in their arms, maimed. And many others, and notice what they did, they cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch, the multitude wondered, they were amazed, they wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the lame to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified, notice this very important phrase right here. It'd be easy just to read over and kind of take it for granted. They glorified the God of Israel. Why is that so significant? Well, on that east side of the Sea of Galilee, he's in a Gentile region. And so it says specifically, they glorified the God of Israel. In other words, they recognize he's the true and living God. He's in the Gentile territory. I wonder if there's any connection to the word then in verse 21. I believe there is. How about we preach about it here this morning? Holy hearts, helpful hands. Holy hearts, helpful hands. If you remember, we did a, part, a two-part series. Out of the first part of uh, Matthew 15, we called it uh, clean hands, but corrupt hearts. Clean hands, but corrupt hearts. Here, we're flipping it. Holy hearts, helping hands. Holy hearts, helping hands. God's love knows no boundaries. Does that sound familiar, Brother Ted? He just taught that in Sunday school. Maybe your class is in Philemon. God's love knows no boundaries. Holy hearts, helpful hands. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. There's a series of books that we've enjoyed along the way. Uh, sometimes traveling, we'll listen to an audio book. Sometimes uh, actually reading it. I know some of the boys have, the boys all have read some of this series. Uh, but I, I listen to a lot of them by audio. I'm listening to one right now. It's uh, Christian Heroes Then and Now. If you need, if you need something good to listen to, um, a good book or a good book to read, Christian Heroes uh, Then and Now. It covers a lot of different missionaries of some time ago. Um, Hudson Taylor, William Carey, uh, some of those names that you might recognize. So I went through all of them that we recognize, and now I'm into some that I don't recognize. Names like Mildred Cable. I did not know that name very much, but she served with the China Inland Mission. Back uh, late 1800s, I know for sure she was there during the Boxer Rebellion, if you've ever studied the history of China and the opium crisis and a lot of things that were going on there. But uh, so 1900, 1901. So she certainly was there then along with some others. And, and they traveled to great lengths. It's a fascinating story. I don't have the time to go into it. I'm in the section of the book, though, where they are going from uh, the part of China that they're in on the eastern side. And they're crossing the Gobi Desert. I mean, that just you can just tell that's not inviting the Gobi Desert. And so they're crossing that and, 
and uh, my, there's adventures there. And, but they're, they're doing that not for the sake of adventure. They're doing that for the sake of the gospel. Trying to get the gospel to people that have not yet heard. They're going to great lengths, going into really hostile, hostile, difficult territory, uh, not just the climate, but also in many ways, the people at that time in particular. It was rather a difficult time to be in China. And, and so they were going to those great lengths for the sake of those that were in need. They were in those territories uh, for the sake really of unreached people groups, unreached people groups. In Matthew chapter number 15, um, Jesus has gone a long way. He's gone a long way. Uh, we don't know exactly as to where he stopped or where he landed, Tyre and Sidon. If you look in the back of your Bible, if you've got you know, some maps in the back, you can do that if you want to, but you'll see Tyre. It's on the uh, coast of the Mediterranean, uh, the Mediterranean Sea, and Sidon would be a little bit further to the north. And so it'd be modern-day Lebanon and, and Syria, that region. So it's further north of, of Israel and to the west of where Jesus was. He was at the Sea of Galilee. And so he's traveling about anywhere from 30 to 50 miles. Now, for us, we jump in the car, we drive to Stillwater, we're there, right? I mean, that's not a real big deal traveling, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles or so. But imagine some of that rough terrain traveling on foot. And he's going, you know, to that region, which was clearly a Gentile region. Gentile means non-Jew. So you see God, well, he created all people. Started with Adam and Eve, but God is so creative that um, he didn't make us all the same. We don't all look the same. That's a blessing. Some of you are glad to have hair. And then there's the rest of us, right? So we don't all look the same. Our skin tone is all different. Our, our, the shape of our face is all different. Hey, God's a creative God. And so everybody traces their lineage back to Adam and Eve. You have to. Back to Noah and Mrs. Noah. I mean, we all trace our lineage back there at least. I mean, it's the table of the nations. I mean, we're, we're all the same race. All the same race, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different languages, a lot of different nations and nationalities, but we're really all the same race. He's like, preacher, you've said that so often. Hey, I think we need to keep saying it because we're all one race. That's really just this, the human race, the human race. And so all people created equally in the image of God. But here's what God did. God chose the, the people of Israel, by whom to bring us our scriptures, by whom to bring us our Messiah, by whom to bring us the message of salvation. He chose one people group to be a blessing to all the people groups that live upon the earth. See. But here's what happened along the way. That one people group, the Jews, became proud of who they are, uh, somewhat like what we do. Like we do. We're from Oklahoma. <laughs> Lord help us, amen, that's true. We're from Texas, somebody might say. Oh man, pride begins to come into the picture, right? Or I'm from the north, I'm from the east, I'm from the south, I'm from the west. You know, I mean, we do the same exact thing. I'm a Jew, they would say, I'm a Jew. I'm not a Gentile, and maybe they would spit, and I'm not a dog. In fact, they would literally call the Gentiles dogs. I read after one rabbi who said the that the Gentiles as dogs are not licensed to even read the Torah, the law. That's how they felt about it. 
They were God's chosen people. The Jews. Well, I thank God for the Jews. I love the Jews. I think we ought to love the Jews. I think we ought to love Israel. I'm looking forward in April, God willing, to go uh, finally to Israel. I thought it was going to be the millennial kingdom by the time we got there, you know, and, and such. But uh, anyways, that's the plan. I love Israel. I love the Jewish people, and they love the Jewish people. <laughs> oh, my soul. Do they love the Jewish people themselves? So much so that they look down their nose at the Gentiles, non-Jews. A Gentile is a non-Jewish person. So I'm speaking to a crowd here today, probably mostly of Gentile descent. Isn't that right? Gentiles? Gentiles, that's us, isn't it? We're, we're Gentiles. We may have some Jews here. I know along the way, uh, Southwest Baptist Church has had some members of the church that were saved Jews, Jews by nationality. Uh, there's one man in particular, I'm forgetting his name right now. He was here before I came along and such, but uh, what was his name? Oh yeah, Brother Levitus. Okay, here Levitus. He was a Jew and, and he was a member of Southwest Baptist Church. So you could be a Jew and saved. But in many ways, they are kind of few and far between because he came into his own and his own received him not. So anyways, the Jews, um, they felt like they were superior to others. So leading Jews from Jerusalem, the Pharisees, the scribes, made a long journey from Jerusalem all the way up to the region of Galilee. Galilee of the Gentiles. I mean, it wasn't like they didn't get around them, but they didn't like to be around them. And so they would wash their hands very thoroughly uh, uh, to wash off any contamination of the Jews. They would wash their cups. They would wash their bowls. They would wash their utensils to make sure that it was not contaminated by the likes of us Gentiles. That's how they felt about it. And they stormed up to Jesus. They were uh, huffing and puffing up to, to Jesus and saying, your disciples don't wash after the tradition of the elders. They don't wash off the contamination from the Gentiles. How can you call yourself a leading Jewish rabbi and yet you yourself and your disciples don't wash your hands? <laughs> That's how they felt about it. And Jesus said, listen, it is not that which goes into a man that defiles a man, but it's that which is already inside of a man that defiles a man, namely his heart. You see, the Jews felt like if I can get away from these sinful people, I'll be holy. You go ahead and try, friend. You try to find some place where you can get away from sinners. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll join a convent. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll become a Mennonite. I'll become an Amish. I, I'll... Uh, I'll go live on a mountain somewhere all by myself. You'll still have a sinner there. Who? Who would live there? You. So unless you can get away from yourself, you can't get away from sinners. And that's why Jesus said, listen, you must be born again. It's not what's on the outside that defiles you. It's, listen, it's who you are at your very heart. You need a change from the inside out. You've got to be born into God's family. You, your birth is so bad. You're born in such sin. You're born with a corrupt heart so badly that you, my friend, I'm speaking to you today, that you, my friend, you need to be born again. It will not be a list of religious things that you do. It will not be a, a list of religious clubs or societies or churches that you join that somehow makes you okay with God. It's only through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only one who lived without sin. 
sin on this earth that died in your place who's willing to save you if you'd call upon him to be your savior. But you've got to be born again. And so here they were. They felt like they were superior because they were Jews. Jesus said, listen, you're not superior because you are Jews. It's not what's on the outside, but it's what's on the inside that defiles a man. And so to prove his point, and to make it go even deeper in the heart of his disciples, here they were having heard this conversation and he said, listen, in fact, he called the people unto him. If you remember last week, he called the people unto him to help them understand the, that principle that it's on the inside, not what's on the outside that defiles you. He said, the Pharisees are blind leaders of the blind. They have no idea where they're going. They're trying to tell everybody else where to go. You know, there's a lot of that today. A lot of religious leaders that are blind leaders, they don't really see things clearly in terms of what's truly the Bible truth about salvation, and yet they're trying to lead people to be baptized or lead people to, to be of this ceremony or that ceremony, or do this right, this ritual. This ritual is blind leaders of the blind. And so Jesus said, listen, you're not contaminated by contact with the Gentiles. In fact, let's go far north into deep, 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 deep into Gentile territory. You listen to me here this morning. That's what he did. That's why it says, then Jesus departed from thence. He went from that area, which was predominantly Jewish, and he went about 30 to 50 miles far north, deep into Gentile territory to show that he was not afraid of contamination from the likes of us. I'm glad Jesus didn't mind being around us. I'm glad that he loved the Gentile people. I, I'm, glad that, uh, I'm glad that the gospel is an every person gospel. That he said, go and preach the gospel to every creature, every person. Go ye into all the world and, and teach all nations. You say, well, why does he say what he said right here then? It's a good question. Glad you asked. Glad you're here. Glad you're thinking about this. Let's think about this here together because we too live in a society that is divided by race. We're in a society that's divided by economics. We're in a society that's divided by many, many things. Isn't that true here today? Well, I'm glad to look around here today and I see different nationalities created by God. I see people uh, from the, you know, the Philippine descent. I see those from Korea. I see those from, from, uh, uh, from Oklahoma. <laughs> good number. <laughs> I see those that maybe have a, a, a Hispanic heritage that goes either back to Mexico or to, to Latin America, somewhere right in there. I'm thankful that God, God loves all people, friend. Amen. Loves all people. My good friend Ambrose, uh, he, who just had surgery, he's, he's from Nigeria. We got to go to Sherry's Diner a week ago and had a breakfast together. Hey, listen, he's a, he's a black gentleman. I'm a white young man. and a Young man, I don't know about the young man part, but, but anyways, uh, here we are from two different countries. But listen, we've got Christ in common. I ate with him. He ate with me. See. It's going deep. He, Matthew, listen, Matthew's writing this for the sake of the Jews because they felt superior. Mark wrote the same account, same, same uh, uh, parallel account. He wrote it to a predominantly Gentile congregation to help them understand that they're not second-rate citizens in the kingdom of heaven. 
He wrote it to men so that men would not think that they were better than women. He wrote it to women so that they'd understand that you are specially created in the image of God, just like a man is. You're not second rate to God because you're a woman. You are created beautifully in the image of God because you are a female. Praise the Lord. I mean, we're divided over gender in our society today. We just need to preach what the Bible says to help us all get straightened out on this. He loves all people. He went about 30 to 50 miles north when he could have went to a wilderness that was closer. If his, his whole reason was just kind of to try to get away from it all, he could have went a lot closer than 30 to 50 miles. I submit to you here this morning that he was on a mission. He knew the need of this one lady that was up there in Tyre, Sidon region. He went all that way to, to reach out to her because she had a great need. The Bible tells us in verse number 22 that she was a woman of Canaan. Yes, that's the Canaanites. You read the book of Joshua, then you see how they took the land of Canaan. Here they were, the enemies of God. And here he is reaching out to their enemies. I wonder how you feel about the Muslims here today. I want, I, I, listen, I, 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 uh, I would biblically say that their doctrine is, is satanic, it's not right, it's not the way of salvation, it's wrong. But we ought to love the people that, that are seduced there by Islam and love the Muslim people, help them understand the true gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But there might be some animosity in your heart here this morning and say, why should we care about them, what they've done to our country? That's how they felt about the Canaanites. So see, we're not much different today. We have our own biases. We have our own uh, prejudices. We, we have our own ways and, and every person can be prejudiced. I would be, I would be pretty naive today if I were to think that nobody here struggled with prejudice, being prejudiced. I would be pretty naive today to think that, that we didn't think that our, our race was superior to others. I wonder how you feel about it. If, if a man uh, stood here and he was a Korean and he became the pastor of this church. We say, well, I don't think he'd be a good Christian to be a Korean. <laughs> Have you met some Korean Christians? Oh, my soul, they love the Lord and want to get the gospel out. You know, we can get in our minds, well, you know, we couldn't have a Chinese pastor because we're a Caucasian congregation. Why not? Why not? Now, I don't want to keep pastoring here. I'm not, I'm not ready to make a pastoral transition that I know of, but, but what if God called in Alan Fong to be the pastor of this church? Godly Chinese friend of mine and pastor, I mean, Bible preacher. Hey, listen, I'm not a better Christian because I'm an American. But we can have these mentalities that suddenly are kind of in the back of our mind thinking, well, we're better Christians and better missionaries because we're American missionaries. I think we need this today, don't you? She was a woman of Canaan and, and she'd heard of him according to Mark's account. She had heard of Jesus. Now, please take this into account what's going on here. Here she is all the way up in Tyre and Sidon and, and she hears, she hears that Jesus is in that region. And her daughter, I don't know for how long, I don't know to what extent, but when you look at demon, demonic possession, and you see what it's done to others that we can read about in the Bible, how that it took some and threw them into fire. And, and because Satan seeks to destroy, don't you know? But the Bible says that she was grievously tormented. 
Well, I wonder if there was times maybe that she thought, you know, I've got to get her to Jesus. I've got to get her down to Galilee. I've got to get her down to Judea. I've got to get her there. But then she hears that Jesus is close by. And she comes, uh, Mark, uh, Mark's account records that they went to a house and he would have no man know it initially. So I don't know if it was on the way or if it was while he was there at the house, all those circumstances, I don't know that I could put back together completely, but I certainly know this, that she was a Gentile and she was a woman. He was a man and he was a Jew. Humanly speaking, there was really no reason that he should help her. From a human standpoint, from a Jewish standpoint, and yet she came and she was crying. She was shouting. She was not using her normal voice. Maybe it was a distance. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. But I think it was also the distressing situation that her daughter was in that was prompting her to say, Jesus, I'm trying to wake some up that went to sleep right here. Jesus, thou son of David. Have mercy on me. My daughter, my daughter, my daughter is grievous tormented. I know that you can help her, Jesus. Please, Jesus, have mercy on us. She called him son of David. Don't slide by that, friend. She, a Gentile woman, called him the son of David. Do you know the significance of the terminology, son of David? The book of Matthew opened up this way. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of David. Do you realize this morning that that means this, that she was acknowledging that he was the Messiah? Amen. Son of David is messianic. <clears throat> Let me try that again. Messianic. <laughs> like it when your voice cracks when you're preaching. <laughs> He's the Messiah. Those blind men said, thou son of David, have mercy on us. Even they, as they were, they were having a debate about who Jesus was, after Jesus had cast out this demon, all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? They're saying, is this the Messiah? Well, the Pharisees piped up right quick, don't you know? And they said, he doesn't cast out those demons except but by Beelzebub, by another demonic being. That's by Satan, the prince of the power of the, of the demonic beings. He's the one that's able to do this. So they said, wait a minute, is this the Messiah? But I'm trying to establish here this, that they referred to him as Messiah, as the son of David. Matthew 22, what think ye of Christ, Jesus says. Whose son is he? They said in him, the son of David. Jesus said, what do you think about Christ? They said he's the son of David. Do you see it? Do you see it? Son of David is Messiah. John 7, they had a big debate about who Jesus was then. And they, they said, hath not scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David from the town of Bethlehem? Hey, he's the son of David. I'm just simply saying this. Here she is, a Gentile woman that understands better than what the Jewish men were understanding. She knew better than the Pharisees. She knew better than the scribes. They had spent years and years and years studying the law and they missed that he was the son of David. Here she was, a Gentile woman, and acknowledging him for who he was. I don't think I'm going to move on until everybody gets excited about that. That's awesome. <laughs> son of David, son of David, son of David, have mercy on us. And what did he do? He answered her not a word. Now that's not like Jesus. 
Every time we've read so far that somebody cried out to Jesus, Jesus responded to them. He touched them. He spoke the word and they were healed. He spoke to them. He was kind to them. <clears throat> but here he is. And, and Matthew emphasizes, it's not like he said something under his breath or something slight. He answered her not a word. What have you said to, something, to somebody today and they answered you not a word? You say, you know, actually there was somebody that did that, brother. Guy. No, let's not go there. We would think, well, how rude. Okay, let me ask you a question. Was he being rude? Okay, friend, look, look. He didn't go 30 to 50 miles to be rude. So that's not it. He's racist. He's a Jew and she's a Gentile. He's a racist. He didn't go 30 to 50 miles because he was a racist. We don't run buses, pick up all kinds of different nationalities among kids. I, I went out to the, to the gym and I saw kids from all kinds of backgrounds. We don't run buses because we're racist. He didn't go to Tyneside because he was racist. He wasn't racist. So that's not what's going on. He was testing her. He was... Um, I believe also one of his disciples to get in on what was going on. Sometimes when you cry out to God, you may feel like God is silent. Like he answers you not a word. What do you do? I'm giving up on God. What did she do? Jesus, the son of David, I'm not leaving this house till you help my daughter. Listen, she was not nagging him. She was persistent in her faith. She said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on my daughter. His disciples said this, Lord, send her away. Because she crieth after, what does it say? Us. Now, when they said send her away, it could be they were saying, all right, just, just send her away. Don't worry about it. Just send her away. I, I think, though, given his response when he said, am I not come first to the house of Israel? I think what, what they had there in their minds and in their hearts was this. Lord, go ahead, heal her daughter so she'll leave. Okay, we might say it this way. Lord, give her what she wants so she'll be quiet. Right? Aren't we the same way sometimes? Give her what she wants so she'll be quiet. And the Lord's response tells us, I think that's probably what they had in mind at least. And as you look at it, he says, am I not come to the house of Israel? He says, let me back up here just a second. I am not sent but to, to the lost house of the sheep of Israel. Well... Huh. I thought he came to all people. He did. He did. But he came first to his own. It's his mission. You see, Matthew's establishing Jesus as king. He's the king of the Jews. But he's also going to be the king of the whole earth. And there's no doubt about that. But here's what she did. I love it. In verse number 25, the Bible just simply says this. She fell down at his feet and just simply said this, Lord, have, Lord help me. You know, folks, sometimes all you can say is, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. It's 
Some of you today need to come at his feet and say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Come to my aid is what that literally means. Come to my aid. And look what Jesus said in response. It is not me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. So who's sitting at the table at this table? It's the Jews. It's not meat. It's not right to take the food that is a ble- to, intended to be a blessing. Here's what I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Uh, it's not right to take the food that is for the children sitting at the table and to feed it to dogs. Now, don't you wish sometimes that there was a way that you could see how he said this? What was his tone? What was his look? Did he say it? I, I just, I have in my heart and mind that he said it not with a harsh look, but he said it with a smile. Don't you know that it's not right to take the children's meat and to feed the pets? You say, why'd you say pets? Because that's what Jesus said. You say, well, he said dogs. Yes, but the Greek word that he used here is only used. Listen to this. This is very interesting. This word for dog is only used in Matthew 15 and Mark 7. Other words are used for dogs. The other words used for dogs are those scavenger dogs. Um, Unlike our society, dogs weren't real popular in Israel, except for these kind of dogs that Jesus is talking about. The other kind of dogs were the scavengers. They were running loose. They were the ones that chase me when I run. Are you following what I'm saying? Dogs. And that's how the Jews, now they use the other word. They use that word for dogs. They're scavengers. Jesus said, it's not right to take the children's food and feed it to the house pets. I think about my, dog, my mom's dog, um, Max, um, a Yorkie. Little Yorkie, cute as could be. Now, I, I got to tell you, I know Brother Ted, y'all have got a Yorkie at the house, right? So, I, having grown up with, with coon hounds, outside dogs that was on the chain, you know, it was a shock to my, to my whole life to walk in the house and see a dog inside in air conditioning. Growing up, I didn't even get air conditioning. Here's this little dog that's sitting on the couch and getting an air conditioning, little Max. Okay, that's what Jesus is talking about. Little, little house dogs, affectionate. They cared about them, but you don't take, now some of you do, you feed, <laughs> and kids do. <laughs> Eating all kinds of stuff. That dog walks in about 100 pounds, you know. <laughs> Jesus said it's not right to take the children's meat and to feed it to the house pets. But I, I love her response. Watch this. She didn't get offended. She didn't say, well. She, she didn't storm off. She didn't, she didn't cock an attitude. She just said, truth, Lord. You're right. You're right, Lord. I've got no place at the table. I understand. I'm not a Jew. I'm a Gentile woman. I get it. But if I could, just a little crumb. You know what he said? Oh, woman. Oh, the word oh there, it's a strong. Oh, woman. And don't, don't think he's being rude there either. Uh, it's like lady. Oh, madam, oh, ma'am, oh, dear lady, great is thy faith. Do you realize this morning the only two times that Jesus acknowledged somebody's faith as being great 
It's right here about this woman. And the only other place is in Luke about a Gentile man. Great is thy faith. Be it unto thee according to thy word. I love it. Jesus didn't even have to go to her house. All he had to say is, just like you said, that's how it is. And she got home. Mark goes on further in the story. He went home, or she went home rather, and, and the little girl was there on the bed and she was just fine. Isn't that wonderful? Her daughter was healed because of this. Very simple. She had faith in who he was, number one. Jesus, thou son of David. She had faith in who he was and she had faith in what he could do. So you face some circumstances, maybe not too unlike this lady here, some dire circumstances that are well beyond your control. Listen, if you're here today and you're not saved, you've never been born again, there's nothing you can do to save yourself except to say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. There's nothing I can do to save myself. And, you, and, and somebody might say, wait, you can't be saved. You're not a Jew. You can't be saved. You're not a whatever nationality. Oh, it doesn't matter to Jesus. He came to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. And he'll save anybody that'll come humbly. Now you got to come humbly and you got to say, I can't save myself, dear Lord. Would you save me? I want to thank God for the day as an eight-year-old when I understood that I was a sinner and that he died for me and he was buried and he rose again to save anybody. And he saved me that day as an eight-year-old boy. I didn't even get up out of my chair. I just sat there in that metal folding chair at Grace Baptist Church of Bowling Green, Kentucky. And I asked Jesus to be my savior right then and right there. I had faith in who he was and what he could do. And he saved me. And he'll save you today if you're not saved. I want you to know that. God wants you to know that. He loves you, friend. It does not matter what your background is. It does not matter who you are, where you came from. He loves you more than I can convey this morning in this little sermon. I can't even get across you how much he loves you. Listen to this. He came a long way, friend. He came a long way to show you how much he loves you. He went a long way up into the Gentile territory to show them how much he loved them there in Tyre and Sidon. And then he went way far south. We'll come to it again next week with the feeding of the 4,000, which was predominantly among the Jew, uh, the Gentiles, rather, because he came first to feed the Jews. But he also, thank God, came to feed those of Decapolis that was predominantly Gentiles. He came to the Jew first, but thank God also to the Greek. And he loves you today. Listen, friend, he came a long way. I said he came a long way to show you how much he loved you. All the way from heaven's throne, all the way from heaven's glory, down here to this old earth to take on robe, the robe of flesh to become 100% man and yet never ceasing to be 100% God. And he died on that old rugged cross showing you just how much he loved you. He came a long way. Why? He had the right heart and he had the right helping hands. And he wants us to have the right heart so that we too could have the helping hands to help others understand who he is. Well, if he was willing to do all that, what should we be willing to do? Do you get that? If you're saved by His grace, you ought to want others to hear about Him as well. May God help us have a zeal for personally telling somebody about Jesus. 
Mildred Cable went all the way across the Gobi Desert to get to tell somebody about Jesus. Missionaries have gone across the, the seas to tell somebody about Jesus. Would you be willing to go across the street? How about across the hallway at work? How about across the living room at home to tell somebody about Jesus? Because when you get a heart that is holy, made holy by Him and Him alone, then He gives you hands that want to distribute bread. Oh man, this is like a part two message I feel coming on for next Sunday. Listen, part one is that this holy hands, this holy heart led him to have helping hands up there, but then it led him all the way down on that east side of the Galilee sea, Galilean Sea, and he gave them more than just a crop. He gave them a full course meal. And there was leftovers. Why? Because he loves people more than what we can even begin to convey today. What should I do? Maybe here's all you can do. You listen to me this morning. Lord, help me. He responds to that kind of faith. Because there's no boundaries to His love. He moves to where there's faith. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. You know who didn't help? The Pharisees that were smug in their religion. You know who at this point wasn't up to much help? The disciples who were saying, send her away, she's such a nuisance. But he helped this woman that nobody else wanted to help. That's our Savior. Let's stand together here this morning. <clears throat> Lord, help me. That ought to be your prayer today. Lord, help me. I don't know what else to do. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Her daughter was healed because she responded in faith. Those, those that respond to him in faith or demonstrate great faith, you say, I don't know if I've got great faith. Hey, just, just faith in him. Those have faith in him. See him do great things. Great things. So much so that they glorified the God of Israel. Father, this morning, I thank you that you care about all of us equally. There's not one here you love more than another. There's not one you love less. I thank you that your love is not based on our performance. I thank you that your love is not based on our position in life. God, you love sinners. And you came to seek and save that which was lost. I pray, dear God, that you'd give us a heart for the people of the earth. Lord, I, just listening to the choir's song and how the church, churches are called to go into the corners of the earth, I thank you for those that are willing to go to some restricted access nations, creative access nations, places where others don't want them to be, but God, I thank you that they're there. And I pray that you'd call forth more, Lord, to go to all the nations of the earth, not just the unreached people groups of the earth, but also those that still maybe have access to the gospel more than others, but still have so many living in the population that need Christ. Oh, God, help us, I pray. Mobilize us. Help us to follow you to Tyre and Sidon and to Decapolis. Oh, God, help us, Lord, to have a heart for the people of the earth. I thank you for the way that you use this to 
remind, remind me and hopefully to remind us all about the people that you love. All those little boys and girls that's here today, those teenagers that can sometimes put on a rough front, I thank you that you love them, God. I thank you for the men and women that stand here before, before me today, Lord, and we get to stand in this auditorium together, equally loved by you, God. I thank you for that. And I pray that you'd help us here this morning. And our response to you to put faith in you, I imagine there's some here that may need salvation. There's others, dear God, I pray that we'd respond to you because they just need help in life. Would you help us? In Jesus' name, amen. As we have an invitation song, we're singing page 275. If you're in need of salvation today, I urge you, just step out on this very first verse to come and to say, you know, could you show me how to be saved?